Hey guys, if you like listening to us, um, you can follow us on Twitter or email us. Follow us on Twitter at writer, W-R-T-R, bagel, B-A-G-E-L, basket, B-S-K-T, on Twitter, or email us, writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you want to do. Submit fan art. Submit a logo. Do anything, because we want to hear from you. And if you have show suggestions, email them. The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. I will not watch it with a goat. I will not watch it on a boat. I will not watch it here or there. I will not watch it anywhere. God damn you, Dr. Seuss. Someone please hand me that deuce. I really don't like this movie at all. But it's in the bagel basket. And that is all. The writer's bagel basket. Tear me apart, Lisa! You want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. Sorry, Jeff. You lose. The men you seek think you are dead, Kimosabe. In a pinch of the start of the Bernoulli Convergenator, if he puts a car in fifth gear, he can jumpstart the whole thing. We don't have to be mean, because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. This is uh, airing a day early. This is a very special Father's Day episode. So that means that my guest co-host this week is my father, John Kerland. Hi, Dad. Hi, Scott. <laughs> so what did we watch? We watched 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. And how did I come across this movie? I blame myself. <laughs> yeah, you found this movie and you texted me, have you heard of the 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T? And I was like... Dr. T, like the the Robert Altman, Richard Gere movie about gynecology? And you're like, no. <laughs> this film was awful. <laughs> this film, and this film is uh, Matt Groening's favorite film of all time. Not just him. It's also the favorite film of Jello Bafra, the lead singer of the Dead Kennedys. Many, uh, Seth Green said this is one of his favorite movies also. Like so many people love this movie. Well, you have to be, you have to be, semi-demented or maybe completely demented so a little backstory on this film this film is the only film ever written by dr seuss sure films like the grinch and um and uh the cat in the hat all became movies but this is the only one that he actually wrote the screenplay the lyrics came up with the production design like he did everything and stanley kramer famed producer stanley kramer was incredibly invested in this movie to the point where he almost, well, he tried to cast, it's not almost, he wanted to cast Danny Kaye as Dr. T. Wow. And Bing Crosby as uh, Mr. Zabladowski. And it's like, yeah, Stanley Kramer was, if you don't know him, he was the producer of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Judgment at Nuremberg, Amongst many other films, and uh, he also did. Oh, he did the Runner Stumbles with Dick Dick Van Dyke and Kathleen Quinlan, and he's most famous for a little film called "It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World." I think you missed a mad. There's no four mads, only three. Oh, it's a mad, 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 mad world. There, there you we go. go. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. And he also <laughs> did Inherent the Wind, the Defiant Ones. Um. And the Kane Mutiny. 
And then he did this one. Oh, and he did uh, High Noon. Oh, High Noon. No kidding. Yeah, he actually did High Noon first and The Wild One. Yeah, he has, he's very uh, talented, but uh, this film is not so much. So why don't you give us a, a quick like paragraph synopsis about what the film's about, and then we'll go through it. Okay, so um, Dr. T stands for Dr. Terwilliger. 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 And, and he's played by Hans Conried, who, uh, if you remember the old uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons, he was Snidely Whiplash's voice. His voice is very, very distinctive and, and memorable. He it's, also... It's almost uh, Vincent Pricey. Yeah, like, well, like, like, if Vincent Price wasn't as flamboyant. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got that. Um, he also was... Uh, in the old Make Room for Daddy TV show starring Danny Thomas, he was Uncle Tanoose. And, and he really was, was pretty popular um, in, a, in a sort of uh, eclectic type of, uh, sort of way. And uh, so he plays uh, this, this uh, Dr. T. And Dr. T is a music teacher. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You forgot the most important role Hans Conrad ever played. He's Captain Hook. Oh, he's oh. Captain Hook. Oh well, forgive me. <laughs> he's he's the voice of Captain Hook, and he's also the voice of Thorn Oaken, uh, Shield in the Hobbit. Ralph Bakshi's the Hobbit. Well, as I said, he's he had quite a storied career, and uh, um, he plays this. Uh, I guess flamboyant is is the only word you can use. Yes. To to describe him, um, but this movie is. T- is from the viewpoint of, like, I don't know, a 10-year-old kid. He had to be 10. 10. 10 or 9. And his name is Bart Collins. Bartholomew J. Collins, as it's... Uh... And and uh, his mother is a single mother, and uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't like Dr. T because Dr. T makes him uh, practice all the time. And uh, the only other person in the film of any merit uh, is uh, the plumber, uh, who's, uh, I forget the actor's name. Uh, uh, Peter Lindhays. Oh, yeah. He's, he's actually, in real life, he was married to the woman who played the mother. And uh, uh, he, he, fall, he falls asleep, the kid. Yeah, the kid keeps, so the film opens up with the kid having this fantasy where he's being... Chased. Chased by these men who look like something out of like a Salvador Dali painting. Like they... No, no, it looks out of a Dr. Seuss book, really. <laughs> That's what it really looks like. I mean, it is just so weird. The, the guy with the light on his head, I just, I, I thought Dali. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> it, it, everything looks like something out of a nightmare. Like Dr. Seuss, <laughs> Dr. Seuss was on an opium bender and he was like, you know what? I hate kids. And I hate myself, so here we go. And he just started drawing. So, so Dr. Seuss wrote this this movie in in the early fifties. It came out in nineteen fifty three. He wrote the screenplay in nineteen forty seven. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he wrote it in forty seven. And the original draft. So, a normal screenplay is about uh, say how long the actual movie is. So this movie was 90 minutes. So the regular screenplay was probably between 90 and a hundred pages. Guess how many pages his original draft was. I have no idea. 1,201 pages. (laughs) That is almost like 
a 15-hour movie. Well, I do know that that he, um, there were a number, it, it is a musical of sorts. And, uh, I would say musical in the loosest terms. <laughs> like, well, I mean, they have this choreography scene in the de- in the dungeon that is quite remarkable. It's and, more of and, a ballet. Yeah, it's really it's really something else. Um, well, the whole movie is something else. Uh, but when but, but the kid falls asleep, and he and the whole virtually the whole movie is him having a nightmare of being in. Essentially, a prison in which his mother has been hypnotized by Dr. T. And so she's his, like, um, minion of sorts. No, 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 no. She is his love slave. Let's not sugarcoat it. It's so creepy, Dr. T's relationship with the mother in this kid's realm, realm, because he's like, you're my property, you're my lady. Yeah, what, what, what do they call the room where he locks her up? The lock me up? Oh, uh tights in there too like the tight lock up or are my tight lock oh, lock me up tight lock me up tight and, and so so, Fair. so the, the the kid this the the kid is having this nightmare and um dr t has all of his students wear this little beanie it, it looks like the mickey mouse ears except that it's pointed in the front just like you would think in a like the, butch hartman's hair <laughs> <laughs> it's got it's got the Eddie the Eddie Munster point, <laughs> it, but it but I I'm sh- I swear I've seen it in in like a Dr. Seuss book. I'm Probably. sure I've, I've seen I've seen half these things. Yeah, I mean th- this is like as we said before, this is like a Dr. Seuss nightmare. This this movie's only P, uh, G. This is a G movie, but it is. The innuendo, the, some of the things that he says, Hans Conrad says, uh, that's what I want. I want 5,000 little fingers all over my keyboard. And like, ew, no. So, yeah, Dr. T has this giant um, serpentine, uh, basically double-decker piano. I, with, I feel like this is a piano that little Richard would have in his house. <laughs> and, and, and he, he wants 500 little boys oh, to, to play music on it at the same time. And, and that's his, his goal. That's the whole, what, what this don't whole call thing, it a goal. That's his fetish. Like, well, it's, it, he, he's going to open this music, uh, school, which is really in the, in the dream is a pre prison that has an electrified fence. And, if if you've ever seen a Dr. Seuss movie, it's I mean a book. The 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 scenery looks like it's out of yeah, one of his a, books. It's a corkscrew. It's a corkscrew piano. Like it, it it's got right. The- but I'm talking about everything. The buildings. The doors aren't aren't rectangular. Yes. They're they're Every, everything, askew. Everything is is. Uh, I would say to the left at like no to the right it, it's curved to the right and everything just looks like a not a city planner man. He, he the the little boy climbs up the stairs at one point and he sticks his head through what looks like a hole in the ceiling and it's really the above that is the floor where his mother is sort of a prisoner. Yeah, and because on the left it's Doctor T and on the right it's the mom. And 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 where she's a prisoner is is like. It's very, very well fifties kitsch um, decor. I mean, uh, pink rug and and it, it looks like it looks like something out of the pajama game. Like 
Like, this is Doris Day's apartment. Except there's a hole in the, like, a fireman's pole should be going down. It, it except that that Doris Day was a lot classier. <laughs> I mean, she she had style. This this just looked absolutely stylish. Yeah, uh, Mary Healy plays the mom, um, and Peter Lind Hayes plays the the plumber. And they're married in real life. Yeah, but some of the lines that they say in this movie, like, so in. My problem with this movie is that they let you know, like, right away, this is a dream. What they should have did is they should have done, like, either start off in, in the real world. Well, that's what they do do. I so. mean, not start off in the real world. Start off in the fake world, and then you find out that it's all, like, like they should have done. This isn't who killed Jr. <laughs> you mean where, uh, Dallas, where, where Bobby, Bobby yes. Ewing. Like, yeah, no. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, do the Wizard of Oz, because that's clearly what they're doing. They're doing the Wizard of Oz, but there's no tornado. Right. He Well, he just falls asleep. So right, it's, but, it's but a dream that, sequence. But, I mean, it's clear. But when you know that, that I feel like we're Roger Ebers and Gene. Damn it, Gene! Um, no. Knowing that 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 this isn't real, that this is all in the kid's head, kind of takes away like some of the the momentum. Like it should have been, they shouldn't have opened up with him in in the dream world. They should have had him like playing piano and Doctor T is slapping him around like he is. And then I'm saying what they should have done. Just don't right. shake your head at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I just, I just feel though the the whole world that he dreams of is so for lack of a better term, surreal. It right. truly is surreal. But I'm saying do a uh, Twilight Zone where like like he's playing the piano and he opens the door and then they're in this real world. But but see in 1953 they had to when they when they when when they released this movie um they weren't as quite as sophisticated as we are in 2018. Yeah, but 5 years later, uh 6 years later Rod Serling was doing Twilight Zone, so Right. But but the point is that if you if if you start a movie and and this kid is in this bizarro world where the buildings are all crooked, the stairs lead to nowhere, there's a sign at the bottom of the stairs that says up with a hand with a the, the, typical Susian appearance and at the top of the stairs because there's nothing there is another hand pointing down and it says down um it you would you would not have any frame of reference so it's got to be they they had to make it a dream no no you've had so many like films like forbidden planet and and fantastic voyage at that time you suspension of disbelief is believable well i just i just think that if you're going to see a a science fiction movie, you know that it's going to be different. Yeah, but but if you, this is if, fantasy, I mean, I, oh, it is. But I don't think I think they had to introduce it that way because also, it's so weird. This movie should have been animated. This movie should have been animated. Yeah, like like okay. I think that I think that, I think that Seuss figured he could do it without animation. And the other interesting thing is that. Although Seuss had a certain amount of, of popularity. Um, Are you mansplaining Dr. Seuss to me right now? No, 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 no. But I, I want to put it in a time context. Um, what, what His first book was, uh, that was popular Gordon was... Gordon Hears a Who. No, no, no. Um, really? Mulberry Street. What was, uh, oh, what's the name of it? Um, oh, hold on, I'm looking it what'd up. You, uh, oh, the places you'll go? No, no. What you'll see on Mulberry Street or something. Hold on. Dr. Seuss. 
Yeah. Theodore Geisel. Yes. Um, First book. Yeah, I'm looking it up. I mean, he did a lot of political cartoons, and he was, uh, uh, especially during World War II, he, he was, he, he was um, pretty well known. Um, but his imagery would look very similar to what it did, did in his books. Publications, he, bibliography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He originally went by the pen name Theo Lasig. Yeah, that, that apparently didn't catch no. on. So he wanted something more common like Seuss. Um, it says that his first published in, book was, oh my God, The Pocket Book of Boners? No. 1931. What's that first book say? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, the one I was thinking of, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. That okay. was the one that sort of, um, uh, oh, what's the second book called? After that? The 500 Hats of Bartholomew Cubbins. And the kid's name is Bartholomew Collins. Right. So I think this is what, what started it. But the Mulberry Street book. That's that's the hat. No, that's not the hat. No, no, I'm saying like that, that those are the hats. Why didn't they do that in the... Because these hats look like, like Robin Hood hats, Peter Pan hats. Right. Where... Right, but, the the, but, the, but the, in the movie, the hat looks like... Sort of like a beanie with a with a hand sticking out of the top that's waving at you, um, facing forward. Yeah, and the kid in the Cubbins, uh, the Mulberry Street one, kind of looks like Bart. Well, the interesting thing about the Mulberry Street book was that he had been rejected twenty seven times before the the book ultimately became published, and this movie was made five years before he did The Cat in the Hat. Yeah, um, so which, which was which really sort of propelled him into the national uh, consciousness. Bartholomew Cubbins had other books too. Like Bartholomew Cubbins was like his Harry Potter. Um, this this movie came out the same year as uh, or two years after Yertle the Turtle, um, but it came out the same year as Scrambled Egg Super, which. It looks like a, a one of the leeches is there. Uh, well, in any or event, sneeches. in any event, getting back to to where we hey, were. Hey, we get off topic on this podcast. I, I thought you listened to this podcast. <laughs> I do. I love I love when I have my guests come on, and I was like, I call them out on not listening to. Them. No, I've actually listened. Yeah, 1957 is when the Cat in the Hat came out. Right. It also came out the same year as How the Grinch. All of his good books came out the same year. Right. So the Grinch, Cat in the Hat. And, oh, if I ran a circus. But the interesting thing about The Cat in the Hat was he wrote it in response to an article that was talking about how how children were having problems with literacy. And he wrote this book, and it only has 220 words in it. Well, this movie has over 250,000 words in it because the dialogue, the dialogue is terrible. Um, the music is worse. The lyrics are very creepy because because um, he he sings the kid who's singing is not Tommy. Oh man! The kid who's singing is Tony uh, Butella from the the um what did I, what what band did I say he was from? The Letterman. The Letterman. He be, he became the lead singer of the Letterman, but he, he was a kid at the time. Yeah. So but but he uh, I was looking at it. He had Broadway training like. 
So apparently, Tony Butella couldn't act, but he could sing. And Tommy Reddick? R-E-T-T-I-G. Could act, but he couldn't sing. He actually could act so well, he could act opposite Lassie. He was... He was... The uh, original kid, right? Yeah. He was the one who always fell in the well, right? <laughs> no, he never... I don't think he ever fell in the well, but he... he Timmy he, did. But, Timmy couldn't stay out of that thing. <laughs> um, but... That was John Provost. Yeah, so... Uh, Bart, once again, Matt Groening's favorite movie is this film, and that's where you get Bart Simpson from, and Robert Undertaker, Sideshow, Terwilliger. His middle name is actually Undertaker Sideshow. Oh, really? So that's how he became Sideshow Bob. Um, but Tewilliger, Tewilliger, that's where he got the name from. And I, I even pointed out to you, at times, Kelsey Grammer, like... He, he, he can... When he was Sideshow Bob, he sounded very much like Hans Conried. Yeah, and especially... A the, little bit more high class, though. Right. Well, yes. Highbrow. Yes. Um, the way that he... Uh, says Bart, 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 is very Hans Conrad when he says, bring me Bart. So, uh, I saw this movie, and I called Scott up, and I said, did you ever hear of this movie? And much to my astonishment, he said... And I said, who is this? (laughs) He said, no. And I said, this movie is so bad that you've got to see it. It is just... And, and and the thing that hooked me into seeing it was that I knew it had been written and the set design and the costumes were all done by Dr. Seuss. So I said, this has got to be... In, it's got to be interesting, if, if nothing else, because it's Dr. Seuss. It's, you know... Well, when, when you wrote it, when, when I read it, when you said it to me, like my, my brain went to, oh, 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. That that sounds like a, a Lloyd Kaufman movie. Like, I was like, is it a trauma movie? You're like, no, it came out in the 50s. So I was like, what? And you said, it's Dr. Seuss's movie. I was like, oh, that one. Because I never knew what it was called. I only saw in film school, they showed us like there were, in production design class, there are images from this movie because aesthetically it actually it doesn't look terrible it, it looks pretty cool right right but i mean it, it's it, it's just so extraordinary it's so out of what we are extraordinary in a bad way don't don't make extraordinary sound good for this film oh no no but but i mean i i use it in the in the in the sense of the term that you would never see anything like this on Earth, normally. Well, duh. Like, no, no. I'm, okay, so the one person who... I feel like Dr. Seuss and, and uh, his team of, of designers for designing the costume, her... Uh, Mary Healy's dress was designed by... Like, they gave her a special design by credit. Um, but Dr. Seuss designed the rest of the clothes. And I feel like when he got to Peter Lindhaze, he's like... Uh, I give up. I mean, I started drawing a a trench coat, but let's just make it a members only jacket with a trench coat frill. <laughs> like right. like everyone's costumes is beautiful except for um Tommy uh Reddick Reddick and that's um, Bart and Peter Lindhaze. Like their costumes are like right. Well, he's a he's a plumber, 
So he's wearing basically jeans. But shouldn't the plumber be wearing like overalls or like like uh, a jumpsuit so he doesn't get it dirty? Well, I know. Well, he's not one of them fancy. No, uh, I mean, well, but the thing that the only thing you ever see him dealing with is sinks. Jean Louise, uh, our Jean Louise. Jean Louis. Uh, who was a fame? He was the one who designed Judy Garland's famous iconic uh, evening gown from *A Star Is Born*. Right. He designed that, and he designed this dress that looks like uh, Missy Vaughn's dress from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pee Wee. Yeah, it's 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 definitely got like about eighty thousand petticoats underneath it to poof it out. Yeah, and she's wearing one hell of a bustier. <laughs> Like, well, that's one of the costumes she wears. The other one, the other thing that she wears a lot of in this movie is the sleeveless on one side, and and it looks like it's it's an evening gown on one side, but on the other side, it almost looks like it's a suit. That the yeah. sleeve goes down, and I called it a mullet dress. It's a business on the left and party on the right. <laughs> it, it's very strange. Not as strange as the costumes that. Um, Hans Conried wears. Doc, Are you Doctor T? He has he has a holster for his baton for his conductor's baton. Oh, everything about it is weird, and everything is either a nightgown or a dress, but with pants underneath. It's like oh, we can't go too far with him, so let's just give him a long coat. Right, but they're all they're all sort of different with very very different collars. Um, I don't think that there's one in which it it opens. Right down in the center of the front, like a normal uh, a button-down shirt. No, it's all on the side. It's all on the side, and and uh, um, one it, of his costumes, he looks like Gaddafi. <laughs> like, like uh, yeah, he's got more medals on him than than. Uh, well, he has epaulets. Like, but but you know what? The epaulets are so weird. They they're they're feathers, and one side is like red, and the other side is orange. <laughs> and then he puts on one of these big like. Um, Conduct- Actually, yeah, I, like like a marching band conductor's hat. Except that it's even more ostentatious. It's more. It's it's got so much crap on it that that it. And the only person I'm surprised it stayed on his head. But but it had the chin strap, and and Hans Conrad has no chin. Like he has a chin, but he, you need well, to have it didn't like, reach down. You need a Kirk Douglas chin, or or as we were talking about in last week's episode, you need uh, Diego Bonita's chin from uh, Rock of Ages. That big thick chin with the butt dimple <laughs> like you need one of those chins and hans conrad he looked ridiculous well th- but that's the whole point i mean the whole movie is ridiculous there is for there's so much in this movie that seemed almost homoerotic yes um, <laughs> that's an understatement the the elevator the elevator dial all it needed was the little ha- crescent moon to depict what floor you're on, but they added a uh, rectangle that looked kind of phallic. phallic. <laughs> oh no, it definitely did, and and uh... <laughs> it was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like someone was like, uh, "Theodore, are, are are you going through something?" Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Well, well, more it, epaulets. It, it well, and the thing is that in the early '50s, the censors would censor anything. So they got it by all the censors because it because the whole movie was just so weird. Well, there were so many like arrows and triangles. They just probably just thought it was one of those. But everything about this movie is, I mean, so the the 
in Bart's mind, Dr. T wants to marry his mom. But in the real world, it seems like Dr. T just wants to slap the shit out of him. Like, because when, when he wakes him up, he's like, Bart, wake up. But he has his hand on the corner of his neck and his shoulder, like like he's doing the Vulcan. Well, he, right, because he, he dozed off. At the very beginning of the movie, the, there is this scene where he's sort of in some different place, and, and there are people wearing weird costumes With trying to butterfly catch butterfly nets. <laughs> but all well, the butterfly nets are are long and they have different colors so and there's silk yeah and so so it's almost a choreographed thing that they're doing it definitely is i mean where where it looks like a in, a in a marching band where they do the flags they're doing it with butterfly nets trying to catch and and dr t wakes him up and that's the first so you're it, actually when you said the movie should start in a dream it actually does no but i i mean stay in the dream don't have him wake him up Right, but I—I mean, go through like the whole movie. But I'm, sec- I'm saying, piss off the audience. That's the all second. I'm the second dream is different than the first, other than the hat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Doctor T, like, they go into the fact that that Doctor T is a racketeer, and I'm like, wow, that's a big word for a ten-year-old to know. And then you find out that uh, Mr. Zablowski, which I thought they said Tobolowski, I was like, Stephen Tobolowski. Ned Ryerson? Yeah, like, no. Different guy. Uh, also, um, Danny Kaye was originally courted to play Dr. T, and Bing Crosby was um, courted to play uh, Mr. Zobolowski, which I actually would have I would have reversed those roles. Oh, no, no, no. I mean... Oh, no. I, I disagree. I, uh, Danny Kaye, the court jester, he can be very over the top. Yeah, but Ben Crosby is known for beating his kids. Right, well. <laughs> Hit him with a bag of Valencia yeah, oranges. But, but I don't think that Ben Crosby is as flamboyant as Danny Kaye could be. I wouldn't have even thought of, um, of uh, Ben Crosby. I wouldn't have casted Ben Crosby at all. Let, well, he was, he, he was a big star. I know. It but- was a musical. He has several songs in the movie. Yes, but there was another. Stanley Kramer just did the wild ones. So get uh, Marlon Brando. Come on, kid. <laughs> You're bugging me. Get out of my face. All kids are liars. Where's the butter? <laughs> like, <laughs> but in any event. No, I'm just saying Bing Crosby wouldn't have fit. Uh, there, there would have been other actors, but I, I, can, see, I can see Danny Kaye. Danny Kaye would have been great in either role. Well, I th- I actually thought that Hans Conrad was 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 actually very very good, considering the material but he had he to work with. But it wasn't a name. They wanted a name because White Christmas just came out. Like they wanted. Oh no, I understand that. But Bing Crosby was smart enough not to. Uh, I mean, Danny Kaye was smart enough not to do this this movie. He did the court gesture instead. Well, that was a much better move or on his did part. He? Or was it Hans Christian Andersen? He did he did a better movie instead. Well. Um, I mean, look, he could have done The Stupids and it would have been a better movie than this. Uh, and be careful what you say because I might make you come back and do The Stupids. Oh, no, please don't. So. Um, but, but Dan, I mean, look, Hans Conry can really play over the top. He he's can, a flop. Yeah, he can. And He did the court gesture instead. Oh, well, a That's much a, better movie. Much yeah. better movie. No, uh, it was. Wait, this was 52 this came out, right? 53. No, it was Hans Christian Andersen. Uh, court gesture was a year later. 
Oh, okay. So it's Hans Christian Andersen. Well, still a pretty good movie. That's a better movie too. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, look, Danny Kaye made a lot of great movies, and and uh, I can name at least three. <laughs> um, well, Walter Mitty. I don't. I don't like the Secret Life of Walter Mitty either with, version. With, oh, with with Danny Kaye. I don't like either version no. of that. But in any event, <laughs> race cars, so, boats. In any event, so Danny Kaye is a much more talented actor than Hans Conrad is. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Conrad was really pretty, uh, he was fun. Like he was, he was, he, I would say I think he's he, the best thing in this. He's, oh, absolutely. Cause Mary Healy has like, she, she was the eye candy. She was the eye candy, but she looks so miserable in all of her scenes. She's like, I can't believe my husband talked me into this. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know she didn't talk him into it? Because he has the bigger role. He has the bigger You're role. You're right. He does. He has more. He has he more screen He's time. Right now, he does. Also, when I first saw it, I I I didn't know who Peter Lindhays was. When I first saw him from far away, I thought it was Tony Curtis. Oh my gosh! I thought it was Tony Curtis, like like from far away, because he had the the poofy hair. Well, back then everybody had poofy hair. Not Jack Lemmon. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> You're my son. Are you my son? <laughs> But in any event, so th- so th- the interesting thing that that thanks Happy Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> the the interesting thing about this movie and, and and the reason why I wanted Scott to to see it was because I hate him. <laughs> because no no, <laughs> not because I hate you, but because I wanted you to see something that you would not normally see on film. Have you not listened to this podcast? We watch stuff that we don't normally watch. Well, I understand. We did baby skins. Well, no. I know. But but even that is more mainstream than what this movie was. I, I don't <laughs> know what this movie did as far as on the box office. I, it tanked, and it became a cult hit. Like This became one of the... The first midnight screening movies, like really, yeah, in like the late eighties, um, because so many people were influenced. It, this was huge, according to this. This was huge on like Saturday afternoon matinee TV. Like I grew up in Saturday afternoon matinee TV, and I never saw this. I never saw this. Well, different territories, Dad. Oh. Like, like, like they they didn't show the same stuff in say Oregon. Because that's how Matt Groening watched this, is because they played it all the time on Saturday afternoon matinee. That's what he said. <laughs> that's it. I'm getting Matt Groening on the show. <laughs> um, and this this had a following where, you know... Oh, I could see how it could have a, a cult following because, uh, you know, it... it it's weird. <laughs> I mean... The music, there's only really, most of the songs are horrid. Yeah, I mean, apparently this The film, Five Happy Fingers song or is... That song is so... Or, uh, you mean the Ten Happy Fingers? Ten Happy Fingers song is just terrible. And that is the song that sort of runs through the movie off and on. Yeah, it's the only song Mary Healy sings, I think, right? Yes, uh, yeah. she sings it with him. The boy sings it. Yep. And... Um, and even Hans Conried is singing it at parts in in the in the yeah. You know. But when he sings it, when she sings it, it's like like a lesson. Like she's trying to help her son play the piano. He's like, I'm gonna get these boys, 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 boys. 
There, there was one song that, that what would you say, that Harry P- Belafonte actually... Um, uh, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. Tony, Tony Bennett on his 1998 song, um, uh, 1998 album, sang it, uh, because, because We're Kids, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, and that song actually... It's not terrible. No, it's, it's, really, it's not great. That's the one that Tony Butella sings. Now just because we're kids, because we're sort of small, because we're closer to the ground, and you are bigger pound by pound, you have no right, you have no right to push and shove us little kids around. And and basically it's it's... It's a kid saying, you know, just because I'm a kid, you know, don't push me around because you're an adult. Um, it has a really good message to it. But why is Tony Bennett singing it? Like, <laughs> Just because you've whiskers on your face to shave, you treat us like a slave, so what, it's only hair. Just because you wear a wallet near your heart, you think you're twice as smart, you know it isn't fair. We'll grow up someday, and when we do, I pray we won't just grow in size and sound, and just be bigger by the pound. Like, I know how he heard about it because he found out about this movie because he did The Simpsons, he did the Capital City song, and he became friends with Matt Groening, and and so obviously Matt Groening had to see the show, the movie, right? Because. Uh, and I guess Tony Bennett was like, oh, this is the craziest thing. These kooky characters and this crazy kid on a crazy adventure. I love it. I gotta sing the song. And then he sang it in one of his live concerts, and everyone was like, that was beautiful. And I just pictured Tony Bennett like, you should see the shitty movie that this comes from. <laughs> but that song was, I mean, they, they did a song that's like a weather song. Should we dance? Don't mind if I do. Come on, it's time we got together, cause it's get together weather, and in get together weather, together is just what we got to get. Come on, the, the weather man's insisting, this is weather beyond resisting, this is get together weather, together is just what we got to get. Yeah, and then um, the most popular, I wouldn't say the most popular song, but the the most influential song is his clothing song his when he's get when 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 he has his minions dressing him i want my undulating undies with the marabou frills i want my beautiful bolero with the porcupine quills i want my purple nylon girdle with the orange blossom buds cause i'm going domi doing in my domi do duds in, in in that outfit that we described earlier with all the with all epaulets. the medals and the and the, the the feather epaulets and that big hat um, and that's right at the end of the movie because that's what he's wearing for the big concert that all these little kids are going to be involved in and that's what inspired see my best like my loafers former goofers it was that oh, skin my chauffeurs but a greyhound for tuxedo would be best so let's prepare these dogs you too for matching dogs see my vest see my vest oh please won't you see my vest i really like the vest i got her yeah uh, half half is be our guest from, of course, but but the whole different clothing from the Simpsons. is from uh, this movie when Mr. Burns does see my best, 
it's this. It's the way he's acting in it is from this. Yeah, no, it's 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 uh, disturbingly remarkable. <laughs> Hans Conried must have been like, they're not paying me enough money. Well, you know what? Back in the fifties, um, I think you could be a lot sillier some at times, and well, and there's Cary Grant. <laughs> well, he was he was sort of a sophisticated silly, but this was this was definitely. I mean, there's there's a scene in the movie. Um, because Hans Conried has obviously some sort of um, uh, Svengali-like um, uh, uh, ability to hypnotize, because he hypnotizes the mother, and then he tries to hypnotize the plumber yeah. Zablonowski, and they're having like this battle, and and I don't know if you ever saw was it was it the Raven or was it uh, where where uh, Boris Karloff and Peter Lorre are are having the battle. Um, as as magi- oh no um vincent price and um and uh i think it's boris karloff are having they're both that's uh, the raven the raven the yeah. sorcerers and they're having the battle yeah um that's what I, I i thought of when i saw this where they're they're both trying to you know uh dr t's trying to to hypnotize the the plumber and the plumber is is fending it off and and then they start dancing together, right? I mean, they're doing a, a literally a dance. Dad, I don't know what I just watched. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I mean, it clearly was it was bizarre. It's weird that you bring up Vincent Price because that's who I thought of as Doctor T. Like I I didn't know it was Hans Conrad from all of the images I saw. I thought in my mind I I thought it was Vincent Price. Like because this would be the role that Vincent Price would play. Like you're an evil little boy. Right. Well, maybe, you know, I mean, Hans Conrad, I didn't realize how tall he was. When you see him... No ne- shit. <laughs> when, no, but I, I mean, in in Make Room to da- for, for Daddy... Make Room to Daddy. For Daddy, as, as Uncle Tanus, he very seldom was, you know, actually physically on the show. You could hear his voice or, or you would see him, but he was often sitting or Danny Thomas would be next to him. And I don't know how tall Danny Thomas is. Danny Thomas was like six, four. Danny Thomas was he that was very tall. tall. Well then that's see, that's why I would, I had no idea. So, so to see him compared to, to almost everybody else in this movie, he's much taller than everybody else. Well, his co-star is a child. Well, yeah, but but there were there there is an army of stooges, for lack of a better term. Yeah, led by Curly Joe. Like, I mean, they have this. He has this army that enforces the rules, and and every one of them looks like they haven't shaved in like a day and a half because they've got this little stubble. They they really wanted to, them to look like. Gross. <laughs> yeah, th- really, they did. They all looked like okay. So they all looked like um, all of the slaves from Ben Hur from the the rowing scene, <laughs> except that they only had like a day and a half of of of, of beard. Yeah, so they all had the Charlton Heston beard. Um, but but they're all wearing these bizarre costumes, and and they they did choreograph choreographed marches and things. They'd sing a song of how great they are. We're victorious. And and like hooray for us! Yeah, really, we're glorious, we're victorious, and 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 that's when they that's before everything goes south. This movie is 
awful. <laughs> I'm um, just going to keep saying that. Um, so one scene, um, we're going to, we skip around a lot from beginning to middle to end. When they actually have the kids playing, they had, they had 150 kids. And I just read this, that 150 kids and no like fans or it was so hot in there. And one of the kids, uh, oh, it was Tony Butella. Tony Butella is, is the kid who was next to Tommy R- uh, oh. R- Riddick on the left. Um, the one who looked miserable. Yes. He was so hot that he vomited, and it caused a chain reaction. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 150 kids. So it started with, with Tony Butella, and he's just like, they're like, oh, are you okay? He's like, Ugh! And then it just went. Bleh. Well, there are some scene. There, there are some different kids that look like they're absolutely miserable. There, there's one little boy who just looks. I mean, I felt bad for the kid. It's because that they had to clear the studio for a day and hose everything down, but they couldn't get the smell out. So for the rest of the shoot, it smelled like vomit. Well, I mean, this. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was definitely. I wish they kept that in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like a Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> What was it like? Uh, like uh, um, Pitch Perfect or yeah, or, yeah. or uh, Kick Ass Two or? Uh, okay, so the one I always think of is when uh, in the movie Jane Austen's Mafia, the the parody of The Godfather, when they show blown up Jay Moore at the funeral and everyone just starts vomiting when they yeah. see. So. That's what I thought of the chain reaction. But when I read that, I was like, that can't be real. And I read two other sites. Yep, that really happened. And they shut down production for a day to hose down uh. the studio because the entire studio, um, Columbia, thought this movie was going to be the next like Wizard of Oz. They thought it was going to be the next big kids movie. Like they had, They're like, take that, Disney. And so they blocked off uh, four sound stages to build all of these sets. And the Dr. T, the, the piano set, was two sound stages out of four or five sound stages. So it was huge. They, they basically pulled the walls apart, and they had this giant piano. So from there, to fit all 150 kids, to start a chain reaction, filled that studio with puke. <laughs> Oh man! So that like, I would not want to be the janitor. You just get a call. Uh, Tony, will you please come down? <laughs> yeah, I'll be right there. Bring your mop. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and there's just kids vomiting. Uh. One mop wouldn't have done it. <laughs> uh, some Tony, you might want to bring the fire hose. <laughs> Two sound stages. Two sound stages. <laughs> oh man! Don't get me going. <laughs> <laughs> but in any event, one of, you know you you started talking about how how long the script was. I, Doctor Seuss wrote several other musical musical numbers for this movie. Now the movie was an hour and a half long. He wrote seventy five songs. <laughs> he was, he was. He was very unhappy with the fact that they cut his musical numbers out. Yeah. And that's why he never did another live movie, because he he was Good. angry. Well, you know, we all evolve over time, okay? Yeah, but 
Okay. I Paul read... Newman's first movie was The Robe. If we use that as, as the touchstone of how good an actor he was, you but, would say, Ugh. But he doesn't... This was he, his first movie. I understand, but he doesn't know character. He doesn't. the The movie The movie starts with like when Bart wakes up the first time. He's talking to the camera like John Cusack, high fidelity style. He's like, Ah, Doctor T is you know, he's this he's a jerk. He's I a hate jerk. Him. I hate him so much. And once again, when he's introducing everyone, he's like, Uh, this is this is our plumber, uh, Mister Zablowski. He's here to he's here to unclog mom's pipes. <laughs> I feel like, but you knew he wasn't really a plumber because there was no butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> also, he's way too good looking. Oh yeah, no, he like he he has when when he turned around, it's like man, he has those baby blues <laughs> like. And when when the mom comes down and her her nice dress, she you know what I thought of June Cleaver when I when when she walked in. I didn't think of June Cleaver. I thought of June Lockhart. I thought of Lassie's mom. Well, because you were thinking that the boy... no, I didn't know that then. I, oh, I, or or oh, no, like she... or Debbie La... Reynolds and in Singing in the Rain. Now Lassie's mom always was was very little makeup. She really you know she she almost looked like she was a country mom. You know, not, not I'm not trying to denigrate any country mom, but... Oh, but, I'm sorry, Dad. Are, you're not trying to denigrate any 1950s country moms? No, no. But the point I'm trying to make is that, that she was fully made up. She had, like, red lipstick on and, and clearly makeup. Her hair was, like, much more fashionable. Um, well, I and, heard, I and, and her thought... clothes her clothes were much nicer than anything I ever saw in you know June Lockhart wear. Well, I first thought like Debbie Reynolds, like she kind of looked like Debbie Reynolds from Singing in the Rain. Like, well, they actually do a scene where 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 Conrad, uh, Conrad and and her and her and uh, and Zablonowski are 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 singing and dancing. And I thought of Singing in the Rain at that time. Good morning. Yeah, uh, good, yeah, because that entire dance scene was very similar, and that scene is very creepy because like. Um, Zabladowski Zop- is dancing with the mom, and in the corner is just Hans Conried leering. Like he's like, "Yes, I like this very much. I should be dressed as Superman." <laughs> no, he he definitely he definitely he knew how to leer. You know, <clears throat> I I almost got the sense that that he was a little bit more over the top on most things. But his the, 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 his latent desire for the mother, I, I I almost viewed it the same way that as as Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka, where there was something sinister always about him. But you didn't you know he would he would come up with these lines and comments throughout the movie, and you say oh you know he's really very dark, and and I got that sense too. But overall, the movie I don't know if. You know, if that was designed to be picked up by the audience, how how creepy he really was. Yeah, I I I just found him funny. Like I di- I didn't see him as creepy yet. Uh, honestly, the true villain in this film is the kid, because this poor man just wants to teach these kids how to play the <laughs> piano, and this little shit kid is just wrecking his plans. Honestly, this is a metaphor for the backbone of society of trying to get people to 
Support small business. <laughs> uh, no, but the the kid, uh, Tommy Tommy Riddick, to the premiere of this movie, he brought a date, and the date. Oh my gosh! The date was Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> so Tommy, after this, you're gonna take me. <laughs> like, like, what did he expect? He took Marilyn Monroe to a movie. He's ten years old. Yeah, she was she was a couple of weeks older than that at the time. I think. <laughs> Yes. This, well, this was after Some Like It Hot, so... I know. Yeah. <laughs> but just everything about this movie, the more I read, the more horrified I become. Like, I was like, a 10-year-old took a starlet to the movies? Like, I would have imagined him taking, like, someone like Shirley Temple. Was he in, was he in Lassie after this or before? Uh, I don't know. I, I think, honestly, I think he was the kid after Timmy. No, 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 no. No. No, Tim John Provost was much later, because this when this movie was done, I was like two years old. You were one. Well, it says fifty three, so figure two, but whatever. <laughs> wow, thanks for telling everyone your age. Well, um, and and this kid was the, the he was the first you know master of lassie i forget what his character's name was in in the lassie jeff, jeff oh yeah jeff jeff miller yeah and what years did he do this um he was in the littlest hobo uh 1954 to 1957 okay so it was and john provost came much after, much later than that yeah um as a matter of fact, I don't even think that June Lockhart was the mother back then. 1957 was 1964 was was Provost. Yeah. He so, was he was the one that I sort of always related to as as, as he was Timmy. Mhm. Timmy Martin. Right. Ruth and Paul Martin. Lassie played Lassie. Yeah, there's about 14 Lassies. Oh, Jan Clayton played uh the mother. Uh Tommy uh Riddick's mom. Yeah. And George Cleveland played the grandpa. So, so what? Did, what did he just grow too old to be on the show, or they decided, you know what? As parents and a kid for this dog, you're not good enough. So we're gonna we're gonna switch it over to uh, a younger, smaller. He wasn't cute anymore, is what it looks like. Well, like... he wasn't that cute in the movie, to be honest with you. <laughs> he looked like he, his front two teeth looked like chiclets. <laughs> He looks like Walter Matthau and uh, Dennis the Menace when, when his teeth get knocked out and they put in the fake chocolates. Real? It, didn't it? I mean, I wasn't. I. I. I was. On, honestly, he's a very. His features are very cartoony. Like Haley was watching this with us, and she pointed out that he looked like one of those big eye paintings. Like his his pupils were like, anime character huge. Um. He he was just an odd looking kid, and but he hey look he 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 made he made some sort of career out of what he was doing. He dated Marilyn Monroe when he was ten. Well, I don't know if taking you out to a movie premiere is a date, but um, no, he was probably the kid who had her killed. No, <laughs> <laughs> he he bore a grudge for like a decade. <laughs> she never called me back. Um. Just everything about this movie is bizarre. The songs, like, they feel like almost like the Sherman Brothers songs. They feel like uh, knockoff songs of, like, like Mary Poppins. And, and like, because one of the songs that he sings with with uh, um, Peter Lynch Hayes, 
felt like Feed the Birds, like the song that they, they sing together. Where, where he's almost sitting on his lap. He's like sitting on the chair, yeah. the arm of the chair. Yeah, he's, and... sitting on, he's sitting on his lap. Well, pretty close. His head is resting on the guy's chest. Right. Dream stuff, dream stuff. Funny thing about this dream stuff. First it's there. Then nowhere. And it felt like like either um from he had, Chitty... that, he had the hat, didn't he? Didn't he have the hat? No, he wasn't wearing the hat at that point. Oh, okay. He took it off because Peter Lindhaze takes it off. But the song that they're singing sounds like a cross between like Feed the Birds or uh and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, uh uh you two. Someone to care for, to be there for I have you two. That's what it felt like. But Dr. Seuss didn't get the lyrics right. It's like you know, to be a father, to be a parent, you know, you're a kid. Like, it felt like it was off a little bit. Like, when someone asks you how you're doing, you go, not bad. Like, not much. Like, yeah. it's off. It's It doesn't sound right. Like, all of the songs, the lyrics don't sound right. Well, except for that, except for that one. Because I'm a kid, or because yeah. you're a kid. Yeah, that one actually, but, but, but again... Out of in, eleven songs, Dad, right? But to, to but, have one good one, right? Well, it's and, not a Gwen Stefani album, right? But the thing about Dr. Seuss is, he, he, the way that he he writes, and that and clearly the language that he uses, it's all rhyming, and the rhymes don't necessarily have to make sense, right? But also, he, I think because Dr. Seuss was a political like writer to begin with like this had a very political message to begin like throughout it like about totalitarianism and and like oh i definitely got that sense it was it was definitely a a pro-capitalist um um uh pro-labor he made he made a fake currency like dr t makes a fake currency what's it called again like pistolas pistolas (laughs) Or something what? like that. Yeah. And, and what was it? A, a, a crumb muncher or something? <laughs> what was there? Was there was you know the 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 the, the kid goes pistolas and, and he says yeah you know you, you so many of this makes a, so many of that and then so many of that makes somebody of that and the kid says I think you're I think you're getting ripped off. He didn't use the word ripped off because it's 1952. And then and then you know Zablowski <laughs> says well after Brexit I mean. No, he says he's, no, he, he says in, in in American dollars it would be twenty dollars per sink or thirty dollars per sink. No, no, because uh, the kid offered him thirty. The kid says, "I'll buy you out." He says, "If you the, the thing was that the, the plumber was supposed to put all these sinks in in the uh, various uh, prison cages that they had for the various kids, and if they didn't have the sinks in in time, the government wouldn't pass and it wouldn't pass inspection." So forget the fact that there was an electric barbed wire and and that that all of these uh, little kids were, were in like effectively prison cells. Um, they had to have sinks, and and uh, it, it, again, it's all part of the same weirdness of this whole movie. Yeah, and the resolution to the film is incredibly weird. We'll get there, but so. Oh, we got to talk about the dungeon dance scene. Yeah, that's where I was going. But the the dungeon dance. So he gets thrown into a dungeon, or he no, he ends up there by accident. 
He ends up in yes, the- yes. He 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 went through one of the holes in the floor, and instead of it being stairs, it was uh, it was like a fireman's pole. And he yeah. goes down like four flights, and he ends up in this dungeon. And the guy's like, "Are oh, you a piccolo player?" Oh, the the guy has a hearing aid, and they make fun of him for it too. Well, they don't make fun of him, but it's an important plot device. They needed to have that that piece of equipment in order to to resolve things. <laughs> But he's standing there, and he goes, oh, well, he says, you pick a little player? And the kid says, no. He says, do you play the trombone? No. You play the, uh, um, uh, I don't know, some other instrument. Yeah, he... Tr- and, and he says, no, I play the piano. He says, well, no, you don't belong in this dungeon. The pl- piano players are upstairs. And and he's like, I'm going to bring you to, to, to Dr. T myself. And then he beats up a handicapped man. <laughs> Like he steps on the guy's foot and he 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 knocks him out. The guy's the guy's deaf. <laughs> like you're beating up on a man. Before we get to that scene, there was one other well, two other characters I wanted to mention. There there were these twins who throughout the the movie are on roller skates and they are connected by one mutual long beard that probably people could skip rope on. Right, yeah. And and it's implied that it's like their umbilical cord. Like it's, well, well, when 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 the plumber actually takes them on, on in roller skates, because you know obviously they're on roller skates. He wants Xanadu. to. He wants he wants to eat, he wants to level the playing field. So they have this battle on roller skates, um, and he he takes some um, uh, gardener shears and cuts the the. Um, beard the beard and then they just sort of they die yeah. they're dead yeah like, no they die he committed murder yeah he kills them by 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 shaving them sort of yeah um but in any event uh there was a musical there's a musical scene in the dungeon and i i i'm trying to to i have a reasonably decent vocabulary but but words sort of fail me when i try to describe the fact that Although I think it was pretty well done choreography-wise, um, all of the all of the dancers are essentially half-naked men, right? Because they're they're virtually no tops, and they're and they're painted. Or, or some of their shirts are, are ripped, right? Like ripped on the side, but you still see their arms, and like you have these muscular, green, greased-up, naked men, right? I just want to point out that this scene was choreographed by Truman Capote. <laughs> no. <laughs> We need more men. The instruments that so so this is the dungeon in which all of the non-piano players are 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 stuck, and the instruments that they come out to play. The piccolos actually look sort of like piccolos. Yeah, but they have some sort of horn that you know a fireplace bellows or a blacksmith bellows. That's how how they how they play that is they squeeze the bellows and there's a horn in on it. Um, there are, uh, bicycle, uh, um, the bicycle horns, bicycle horns, that yeah. you, you know, that you would squeeze the, the ball and, <laughs> but instead of it being round on the bottom, it was, it was where, where the sound comes out. It was, it was square. Um, <laughs> they had, they had these other instruments that were just so weird that, and of course there's a full orchestra and playing music. They had like a guy was on triangle, and there was a guy who was on swinging, and he would hit a gong. And my favorite is the the guys who have like 
the 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 bell triangles like they, they looked like um from like Aladdin when when they do Prince Ali and they all have the there there are guys who have like this thing they're holding these bells this is what they had oh yeah yeah it you know it looked like it looked like some sort of really right out of a Seuss book it it looked like um, a large stick with antlery type things coming out, and on each antler there were several bells, right? Like like cowbells. Yeah, he had a fever for cowbell. <laughs> like everything, uh, it's so creepy. Like everything in this place, it feels like to catch a predator. Like everything feels like to catch a predator here. And the kid is watching these guys dance around like that. There was there was like a large xylo- xylophone. Where where the, the, each of the each of the, the, the about five different players were playing on the xylophone, and they had fluffy oven mitts that were all brightly colored. So oh, somebody, I thought they were boxing like gloves. They, no, 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 no. They they were they were definitely furry. There were guys who had boxing gloves, and I have no idea what the hell that was all about. But but the guys would would hit the um, the xylophone with these with these furry large oversized oven mitts. That looked like they looked like Swiffers, they, you know. Except that the, you know, one guy had two yellow ones, and one guy had two red ones, and one guy had two blues or whatever. And it, that was the instrument that that, that I sort of caught my attention was there was a target, and a guy has a tiny little bow and and like the rubber tipped arrow, and he shoots it at the right time, and it hits, and it makes it like a ding noise. What a okay so. On The Simpsons, there's a very famous scene where, where Krusty, after um, uh, uh, Itchy and Scratchy um, go to a different show, he has this Slovenian like cartoon, and then it's very weird and very like Russian and bizarre. And then it cuts to him going, what the hell is that? I'm pretty sure someone actually cut together a scene of Krusty introducing... Uh, something, and then they cut to this. Really? B- because it's so weird, and then it's just Krusty going, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was saying halfway throughout this movie. I mean... I, I was waiting for Tommy uh, Tommy Reddick to just look at the camera and go, I gotta fire my agent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it... Visually, I mean, from a choreography standpoint, it was very well done. It okay. just was weird i wonder if bob fossey watched this and he was like i can do that <laughs> where's the cocaine because <laughs> like some of the dance moves felt very fossey-esque like like the, the they were very good the I, piccolo I, players felt very fossey like like the way they were just moving like yeah da-da-da, da-da-da. no no uh, yeah, I, I I have to admire. There, there were some things about this movie. Maybe that's why it's a cult classic. You you, you get this bizarro movie, and then all of a sudden, no, this some... is a cult classic, Dad, because apparently it's really great when you're on drugs. Like, oh, like like this oh. is a stoner's movie. Oh, oh that a was my of, problem. A lot of a lot of people on on the on the Muppet Show used to love this movie, and those guys were blitzed <laughs> out of their mind. Oh well, but in any event, um, so I don't know. Do we want to? Do we want to uh, uh, discuss the ending of this movie or, or, or? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I've, there's so much to cover, but this movie is actually so short. Like, 
Well, it's an hour and a half. It seemed like it went on forever. It felt like two hours. Like, we paused it, and there were still 45 minutes left, and we were like, oh, god damn it. Everything. Okay. So, to power through everything, uh, the mom and, and Zablowski are somehow married because him and the kid do a blood brother bound. oh oh that's that was so weird Be- because the okay kid, we got we've got to talk about that for yeah a second. The, the kid finds the death certificate that um well we, Dr. we have yeah but we haven't said this so what happens is the kid tells the plumber that he overheard dr t um calling that they're going to disintegrate the um the plumber because he knows too much well also he drank the pickle juice and apparently the pickle juice is pure like like nitrogen <laughs> like, like it's it's, uh, it's pure, like liquid like liquid dynamite no, yeah liquid opium i don't know what it was but, but it was weird it, no I, he said it was it was like dynamite he said it was like like well he changed i mean it was clearly a drug and it, it looked like midori it was that green color thing, yeah but when it, uh, it, absinthe it looked like absinthe oh, okay well whatever so <laughs> so green fairies everywhere so there's a scene where where the kid wants to pay the plumber, the $30, so that he will not install the sinks. And Dr. T has this vault with this big gold key. And the kid sneaks into Dr. T's bed while, bedroom while he's asleep, and there's a metronome playing above the bed, and the key is behind the, the swinging part of the metronome. So the kid has to go, and he's got to get the... But every time he stops the metronome to try to grab the key... Dr. T starts to wake up. Right. So so the kid figures out how to, to, to replicate the noise in the metronome. He's got to use his piano skills. Yeah. He, yeah. And he gets the key, and he goes to this vault that uh, Dr. T has where all this money is, and he's got tons. I mean, he literally... He should have just stole the money. Right. He should have just taken the money. Right, but, but he didn't. Because I mean, he dumb. actually, he, he literally takes, uh, Dr. T earlier on takes a, a shovel and shovels all of this money into the vault. So he opens the vault, and above the vault, he sees the certificate that is a skull and bo- uh, crossbones, and it says... The the disintegration of of uh, Doctor Zablowski, Mister uh, Zablowski, will be at eight thirty a.m. the next day. Whatever. So the kid breaks the glass and takes it to to Zablowski and says, uh, "See, I told you that he was going because the, the 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 plumber didn't believe him when yeah, he said he overheard because, him because like I feel like Zablowski is like a metaphor for Doctor Seuss himself because Doctor Seuss had been on the record for saying I hate kids like I hate kids so much they are terrible but they buy my books so I gotta you know appease the little brats like like Doctor Seuss did not like children." It, it's been noted several times. And I feel like him saying, oh, man, I was wrong about you, kid, is like Dr. Seuss saying, eh, you buy my book, so I'm, I'm going to, you know, cut you some slack. I'd like to remind everyone when, when we're talking about Dr. Seuss not liking kids, this is our Father's Day presentation. <laughs> but in any event, so, so, um, so the plumber now realizes that the kid was not lying to him. And 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 he's the, like, I guess I owe you a life debt. Yeah, he, he, he essentially. And the kid says, "Okay, well, let's become blood brothers." Essentially. <laughs> and what I said to you when I'm when I said to you I was like, "Okay, let's let's swap blood." But just so you know, I was doing this earlier with Magic Johnson. 
But in any event, so. <laughs> no, I got you on that one. I know. I got you on that But in any event, so the kid takes, so, so the kid takes this large bobby, uh, this uh, safety pin. It is comically large. Yeah. It, and, and there's a, a flame. He sticks the, the needle over the flame to, to sterilize it. And. Well, he was a Boy Scout. Right, right. And, and he, he, he um, pricks his, his index finger. And interestingly enough, he was less concerned about being of 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 pricking his finger with the, the the needle than the plumber was. The plumber was more apprehensive about it. So he he, he uh, kid, I can't do needles anymore. I used to be a heroin addict. <laughs> he he. So he, he and they, and they both um, they both hold their uh, respective in, uh, in, uh, index, index figures. Finger. Uh, together while they're bleeding into each other. And All I could think of when they were pricking each other's fingers is is Jurassic Park when when he's like, "I just need a little bit of your blood." Ow, John, that hurts. <laughs> like I was waiting for Richard Attenborough to show up. But but while they're while they're doing it, they're actually reciting essentially the, the Boy, Boy Scout, Scout oath. oath. Um, you know, I promise uh, to do my best, to do my duty. Yeah, essentially. But but they're talking about brave, clean, and reverend, and the whole nine yards. Um, and, and, and the kid says, now you're my father. And he goes, I guess you're right. Okay. Where's your mom? Cause I want to do stuff. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> oh, that was his tone. He's like, oh, that's right. She's my woman now. But, but, and, and, uh, uh, he says, uh, so the kid says, can I call you pop? Right. And he's, yeah, and he's like, I guess, I, I, guess, I don't see why I, not. I guess so. I'm, I'm your dad now. We uh, had a, oh, one thing we also skipped. They have a fake fishing trip. Oh, that, yes. That they do. And that scene is so weird because the kid's like sitting on his lap. He's like, yeah, that's nice. That That's good. Yeah. Well, the kid started it because the, the, the plumber was was sort of upset with the kid because he didn't really want to be bothered with the kid. And the kid sitting in this over plush oh, chair, he's, he's pretending that he's rowing. And the, and the plumber says, what are you doing? He says, I'm rowing because I'm going fishing. And then he, he makes some motions like he's fishing. And the plumber goes, no, nah, you're doing it all wrong. And, and then they, they, they have this sort of like... Father-son bond. Yeah, like, of, of fishing where they're pretending that they're actually catching this loud mouth, a large mouth bed. A loud mouth. Are you thinking of the singing bass? Yeah, the 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 uh, a largemouth bass, and and it's it's again sort awful. of stri- yeah, it's, it's awful. It's, Everything in this film is awful. I hate this movie, Dad. I hate this. But it was funny. It was funny, and I'd probably watch it again because because I, <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> it just like like. I don't hate this as much as I hated Rock of Ages that we did last week. Oh, yeah, I should probably say that this is not a, a summer flop buster because it didn't come out in summer. This is a Father's Day movie. Like, like summer flop buster is on hold until um, next week. Actually, it's more of a Father's Day movie than I originally thought because... It's all about dads. But, but the, the interesting thing is that at the end of the movie, the kid fixes the... the at the end of the movie... Uh, at the very, very end, and we're not going to—I uh, don't know if we're going to go into detail as to how he he defeats um, uh, Doctor T. But Cliff notes he uh, he creates like the sound dampener. Oh no, no, no! You got to go before that. Oh god damn it! The, 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 the plum the plumber and him are in jail together, uh, and and Oz right, style. Yeah, and and they're 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 um, and below them, sleeping like half a level below is is the 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 guard with the hearing aid 
And, and uh, the plumber says, geez, it really stinks in here. And the kid says, yeah. And the plumber whips out this bottle. Yeah, it, it, it it's looks, an air freshener. That's all it is. Well, he, and it's called Air, air Fix. And he lifts up, the, and there's like a, uh, like a wick. He yeah, lifts, do you know what they up, didn't have? Plot Fix. <laughs> he lifts it up, and, he's, and, and the kid says, oh, yeah, it smells much better now. And the kid says, the kid thinks up the whole thing. Yeah, because it's the kid's dream, and he has to be smart because the kid's an asshole. Well, and he says, we have to do something that, that fixes noise so that, so, that, so that we can stop Dr. T. And, and, he's, and, the, the, uh, and the plumber says, well, I don't have my, my chemistry kit here or, or anything like that. You know, we're in jail. Uh, he says, well, let's see. I've got a marble here, and I've got a couple of washers, and I've got uh, some, you know, uh, peanuts. Belly, belly button lint or something like that. My favorite is I have some circus peanuts. Now, what the hell? How the hell is that going to help? <laughs> but huh. so, so well, they, in case those kids are allergic. So they, so they put it in the bottle, and they lift it up, and nothing happens. So... He finds this dinosaur bone, right? Yeah, and he's using it as a mortar and pestle. Right. So, and and they put it back in they in the bottle, and and they pour it, and and they lift the wick up. Nothing happens again. And then they take it out, and they're stirring it more, and smoke is coming out, and nothing happens again. And then the kid's like, "Hey, let's let's you know once again abuse this poor hardworking slave owner, this poor hardworking like." dungeon master and take his hearing aid right he says and he says yeah we need something to catch the noise so the hearing aid will do that so they actually the the guard was still asleep and they they disconnect they they unplug the ear no they don't unplug it they take the whole thing right right but they pull it out of his ear yes and and they lift up the hearing aid and they stick it in there and they they mash it up and then they lift it up and there has to be some human rights activist who's like, I saw this movie. This movie is offensive. And, and all of a sudden it works. And, and, and the plumber says, by the way, um, this could be dangerous. This, this jar of, of, of air atomic. fix, uh, yeah, noise fix, it could be atomic. Huh. And the kid, and now this is 1953. The kid goes, it could be atomic? Ducking cover. <laughs> the Soviets are coming. Cold War, height of the Cold War. Um, so, so then, like Doctor T get gets everyone. All the kids are playing. They just cleaned out the studio because all those kids puked. But, but every time he goes to play, he um, lifts up. The, he lifts up the, the kid, wick. The kid lifts up the wick, and and it it sort of repeats at a high pitch, and it and it it, it sort of echoes. The last thing it says, and and it, it just throws them all off, and he can't do it. And and Dr. T, eventually, after like five or six times trying to get them to play... Realizes it's the kid. Yeah, he says, what have you got there? And he, he says to the minions, you know, his like... He says, get him, and he yeah. goes, this is atomic. And the minions are like, bye, Felicia. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> they go running away, and the kids all start to scatter, and he puts the bottle down. And then it explodes. Well, no, it starts to smoke, red smoke that becomes a big T. And then it starts fireworks, which all of us who have dealt with and seen videos of atomic blast, we all know that that's the first thing you see is fireworks before the mushroom cloud. And, and then, before everyone dies. Right. And then there's a white flash, and then there's like little white, like a blue background, a little white dots 
where clearly they've been, all been blown to smithereens, and the kid's going, no, no, no. And, and, and the, the plumber wakes him up. Yep. And, and, and he says, uh, uh, you know. You okay, kid? Yeah, you okay, kid? And, and he's like, I'm fine, Pop. He's like, Pop. And then they reveal the fingers. Yeah, they, they, both both... Ha- they both have the, the Band-Aids on the fingers where they, where they had stuck themselves. How'd you get that? I don't know. And, and then the, the then mother... Then the kid's like, hey, want to bang my mom? Well, essentially, the mother comes in, and she looks as good as a 1952 or 53-year-old woman could look. She, I yeah, mean, she's showing a lot of ankle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's wearing... She's clear... Showing knee would be way too much. She's showing ankle and foot top. <laughs> but, but, but she does look great. I mean, her hair looks great. She's got one of those tiny little... 50s hats jackie kennedy hats yeah well the, the jackie kennedy was the 60s but but yeah but yeah one of the tiny hats yeah she wearing was, a tiny hat. she was she was 10 years ahead of jackie kennedy um and and he looks at the you know the plumber looks at her and you, you almost could hear it go boing <laughs> thanks dad <laughs> now i'm gonna have that image of my father saying boing <laughs> so so the so um the kid looks at the mother and looks at him and and uh, uh, says, can you, hey, to the, he goes, Pop, can you take me to the... Take- He's like, why don't you give my mom a ride to the store? Oh, yeah, she goes, I got to go to the store. And he goes, yeah, I'll take you. And, and the kid goes, oh, can you want to go fishing with uh, th- this weekend? And, and, uh, and they- He's like, of course I do. <laughs> After I'm done taking your mom to the store. Polite euphemism. Uh, so... And... So then they go out to the to the, but 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 he says you got to practice now because we you know we we can't have Doctor T upset and your and make me look bad to your mother because if if you if she's going to let you go fishing you got to practice your piano. So they go out the the <laughs> mother and the boyfriend go out and it's it's like a jeep with like it, it's a, a military a, jeep yeah it's a military jeep. And and that's his plumbing uh, thing. That's his plumbing truck. Yeah. And I and I turned to you. I was like, yeah. And just so you know, in the middle of the night, I may wake up screaming because I still have night terrors from the war. Because <laughs> like like everything about this, that is not a plumbing van. That is not a plumbing truck. Oh no, no, clearly not. It was it was very it, weird. No, it was clearly taken from like they they were probably filming a war movie next door, and they're like, we need a vehicle. Yeah, they put a sign on it, and they, they he he dumped his his uh, his tools in the back, and they take they take off together, and then the kid and his dog go running out the door, and he's got a baseball mitt on, and it, and he's got baseball uh, with him, and they start running down the street. Because um, he's that, not going to practice, right? Because it's a terrible. He's a horrible person. Yeah, and and that's the way the movie ends. Well, what I would have preferred is that it ended with, with when they see the pricks on the finger, it just pants to the right, and there's Rod Serling, and he's like, "Huh, that's strange, right?" And I'm like, <laughs> this movie is awful, in the Twilight Zone. Right. I mean, the only thing that if if the Wizard of Oz, when when Dorothy came came to when she had ruby slippers on, that would have been the same type of thing. <clears throat> I hate this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it so much I have water in my mouth and I didn't mind bad-mouthing it. Dr. T, the 5,000 fingers of Dr. T, it's it's fun in a way of if I had a frontal lobotomy. Like, they took an ice pick and they just, I'm going to be like, ooh, pretty colors. It'll probably be very big in Colorado and and Washington State and things like that. Why? Well, because they've got legal pot. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. And actually, Ma- Massachusetts eventually too. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a stoner's movie, and like I can see the influence on The Simpsons. There are a lot of jokes, and uh, Hans Conried is really good in it. Like, cause he's just fun. Like, he's a fun villain. He's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna act like I don't care. <laughs> They're paying me. Fifties of dollars, and and but all the rest of them are playing it so straight. That that's my big problem with the movie because like I feel like the kid should be playing it straight and the mom should be playing it straight. But I feel like the plumber the plumber could have could have been hamming it up a little bit more. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think so. No, no. Hear me out. Like Tony Tony Curtis when he's playing it straight but being over the top in some like it hot when he's like doing his Cary Grant. It's over the top, but he's doing it so serious. It's like, don't worry, darling. <laughs> like, like, make a choice that is over the top that feels very straight-laced. I don't think that Dr. Seuss would have... didn't want... I think he wanted... You know, Dr. Dr. Seuss didn't direct this movie. <laughs> no, but, but... Well, he wrote it, and I'm sure he had a lot of input into it besides all of the obvious stuff. No, Stanley Kramer had a lot of influence. Like, Stanley Kramer, as producer, was very David O. Selznick. He was very attentive. He was on the set every day, and, like, he was the one who shut down the set um, for the couple of days to clean up the studio. But but this was a very Stanley Kramer movie. Like, it had the family values, but it also had the dark undertones. The movie was fascinating but it was also very boring because after a while like until the the dancing happened i was very unimpressed well except for the fact see and when i watched it i started to watch it out of out of mere curiosity and i and and the more i started watching i said okay i can see this is really like watching dr seuss it's like watching a book and then it just started hans conried was just so strange and and actually he was so flamboyant it was it was actually laughable at many at many points mm-hmm. when they're having the um the duel of of hypnotism and the dance that they turn into that was funny but i was i was laughing i mean i was actually laughing and <clears throat> the more it it became the weirder it became i was actually i was actually started to get intrigued about how weird can this be how are they going to uh, how are they going to resolve this <laughs> and they don't <laughs> <laughs> well they do but it's weird it, it's i i it dr seuss i feel like he's fine in like a 20 pages 20 pages that's how long his books are you know you have this 20 page area so you didn't like the grinch movies no <laughs> no okay i mean like the Jim Carrey one is fine, but it's not my favorite Christmas movie. And well, I don't think Cat it's any. Is it anybody's favorite Christmas movie? I can't Some imagine. Some people I know. Oh. Um. Uh, but the um. The Cat in the Hat is unwatchable. That film is awful. The Mike Myers one. Right. And and even Horton hears a Who is boring. The Lorax is boring. Like the message is always get overshined and like there's no message here the message is like capitalism is bad question mark 
Oh, no, I think that capitalism is good because, again, he's trying to buy off the plumber. and, and you No, know. no, I'm saying their message is trying to be like capitalism is bad or racketeering's bad. Well, racketeering is bad. Well, duh. Like. But, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, there is not much of a message in this movie at all. Uh, although there is clearly there's some political overtones and undertones going on throughout i was also very upset like every time they tried to wake the kid up like they don't wake him up by being like oh bart bart wake up bart wake up bart they're like get up and they're shaking him like i was just waiting for a wake up (laughs) ah stop hitting me (laughs) well like like the amount of child abuse in this film is upsetting well, you don't really see any other than him being shaken a little bit. But, but like, Dr. T is like, yes, have him imprisoned. And every day he's going to play piano, and then he's going to go back to his tiny prison cell, and then he's going to play piano again. It's like, who are you, Billy Joel? Oh, my goodness. Where like, did that come from? <laughs> like, that, that's what, that, it feels like that's what the kids Oh, like. man. Well, Billy Joel is imprisoned at Madison Square Garden, where, where he has to play every month. Oh. One concert, boy, you you went you 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 did the Billy Joel thing. I I just <laughs> <laughs> that this kid's life is the same, except instead of Madison Square Garden, it is a puke-filled <laughs> soundstage. I didn't know that about the the. Yeah, I was the... saving that for you. I thought oh my goodness, a, that that was great. That was absolutely fantastic. So, on a on bagel basket rating time out of thirteen bagels. How many are missing? 13 is the best. Zero bagels is the worst. On creativity and and Hans Conrad... Nope, everything is together. uh, I'll give it six bagels and a schmear. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Okay, there are four bagels left in my basket. Like, everything is just bizarre. The set design gets a bagel. Hans Conrad gets a bagel. Um... But, Wait a second. When I was going to do that, you said, oh, no, I'm going to put it all no, together. No, 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 no. I thought you were doing separate baskets. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I'm, I'll still stay with the six total. I'm saying the the bagels that are left, that's what they represent. Oh, okay. One bagel represents Hans Conrad. One bagel represents the set design. And the other two are, you know, for the extra pages that they took out. <laughs> well, I, I... Oh, one bagel... Okay, I'll say one bagel... For the your choreography, that dance scene. No, one bagel is for that song. That song was actually pretty good. Yeah, because Uh, of being. And I and I liked I liked that one bizarre dungeon dance music thing, whatever that was. It was it was that was pretty good. So we've come to the end of the podcast. Thank you for being here, Dad. Happy Father's Day, and I love you very much. Well, thank you. I love you too. Thank you but I will never forgive you for having me watch this film. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was it was enjoyable in a in a torture sort of way. I felt like uh Malcolm McDowell in in uh, Clockwork Orange. I couldn't take my This film is a car wreck. Next next week I'm going to make him watch Tank Girl. I like Tank Girl. And <laughs> we've actually we contemplated doing it for Summer Flopbuster, but um there there is another bad based on a serial comic that we are doing uh it rhymes with schmoan ranger (laughs) 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 that that's that's coming up in a few weeks uh next week 
is the classic Kevin Costner film, Waterworld. Oh. D- Dwight, Dwight picked Waterworld, so, so we're doing Waterworld. So uh, until next time, once again, Dad, thank you for being here. Happy Father's Day. I love you very much. And until next time, I'm Scott Kurland. And I'm John Kurland. Bye. <laughs>